Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Well, thanks again for joining us on Hope Through Hard Stuff. My guests today are the co-executive directors of Widows in Motion, Karen Rohner and Destiny Boubert. Karen and Destiny, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. It's, it's truly my pleasure. Karen, tell me just what is Widows in Motion? What, what is it about? What do you do? Um, Widows in Motion is a nonprofit organization that basically supports and connects widows at any stage in their grief process. Actually, we do it throughout the country and the world. You know, we connect people in order to make normalize it, normalize yeah, grief. Normalize um, yeah. Yeah. In order to make things to make people feel like they're not alone and have that that support from others who understand what it is that they're going through. And it's, I, I'm just so glad and grateful. My, my mom lost her husband, my dad just about three years ago. And it's e- even though she could see that coming when the blow finally lands, there's no, nothing that can fully prepare you for it. So would you just do our listeners a favor, Karen and Sharon, your grief and loss story and, and how you got to the point where you're, you're utilizing your story or leveraging your story to give other people uh, encouragement or hope. Sure. No problem. Today, I'm, uh, how old am I? 58 years old. Back in 2004, I lost my husband, Steve, when he was uh, 44 and I was 41. It was a sudden loss. He didn't wake up one morning, ended up doing CPR, the whole thing. My kids were 14 and 15 at the time, Kelly and Kevin. And my life just turned upside down in a day's time, in a split second, really, more than anything. So the thing that I found and that I've carried with me ever since that day or soon after that was how much people who have gone through the same thing have helped me move forward. It's always great to have friends and family by your side, but those who get it are the ones that you want there with you. You never want to forget to reach out to people who have been through what you're going through. So it was soon after Steve passed away, I started connecting with other widows, realizing over time how much they have really, I I can say, saved my life in a way. I mean, maybe not, you know, I would have died without them, but saved me in a sense that I didn't go to a, a real deep grief that I couldn't get out of. There was always somebody to reach out and uh, talked to that understood the weirdness that went through our heads, the the funky thoughts and things that nobody else would understand but another widow, somebody who's been through it. And through that, I realized, I thought, gosh, you know what? I really felt this urge, and I'm going to call it a God whisper, to do the same for others because it was very hard to find back then in 2004, we didn't have the social media and all that, you know, to connect with other widows. I had to go and literally ask my counselor, do you know anyone else who's my age, who is a widow? You know, widows are 70, 80, 90 years old and, you know, never thought of them being, you know, 41 or, I mean, almost even in my thirties. And I was like, you know, they don't exist there. Well, come to find out, you know, you hear people dying every day and at all ages and they're being, there are widows and widowers being left behind all the time in my connection with those four or five women in my life, like I said, they pretty much saved my life and back and forth. We all saved each other's lives and helped each other through really, really difficult times. That was my dream and my God whisper all the time 
um, I kept hearing from other people who had knew somebody who had a loss of a spouse and they'd always reach out to me and I'm like, why are they calling me? Then I realized I need to connect these people and I need them to have an, and experience what I'm experiencing with the other widows that I've met and give them the opportunity to move forward with them and have friends that they can call and not just family who don't understand that after two, three, four, five years, you know, you're still grieving at some level. Um, people don't understand and they shouldn't. There's no way they could understand what it is that you're going through. So when you have somebody who, who, who you tell, I'm in my second year and this is the worst time of my life. The second year is for worse than the first. And nobody who's ever not been through this would think that, you know, they're in their second year, they've been through all their firsts, and now they should be better. And it's not true. So I felt the need to move forward with that. And in that journey, uh, COVID happened, and there's a lot that went on there. I'll probably get more into it throughout this um, interview. But uh, I met Destiny, who is a young widow of 27 years old, and I'll let her tell her story. But together, we had this passion to help other widows um, have um, what I had and my dreams of uh, um, having others by our side. So anyways, I don't know if that's enough for that. I could go on and on forever. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Thank you. Destiny, tell us a little bit about, about your story and, and how you ended up meeting Karen. Yeah, sure. So I lost my husband, Mo, in October of 2019. Um, he had gone in for a pretty routine uh, surgery, or so we thought. Unfortunately, there was an error during the surgery, and he passed away unexpectedly at the age of 32, uh, leaving our daughter, who was only five at the time, and myself. Um, you know, being a widow at 27, it was probably the worst experience to date for myself. Um, I didn't have anybody close to me within a 10-year age difference, let alone somebody in their 20s. Um, I felt pretty lost and lonely, you know, trying to help my daughter grieve, uh, and finding healthy means of, I guess, grieving for myself also, um, was what my focus was. And then to add to the already traumatic situation, just five months after his passing, the pandemic hit, um, you know, and we were faced with trying to navigate another new normal. So, you know, the support was slim to none aside from FaceTime calls and porch visits. My family and friends tried to do what they could to support us from a distance, but obviously the pandemic made it really difficult to do that. Um, you know, and it was, for me, it was easier to appear strong on camera or in front of them, even though I felt like I was crumbling inside because no one really got it. Um, for me, I heard, I guess, a similar whisper, like Karen mentioned, and I knew I needed to connect with people that really understood what I was feeling because I knew someone out there got it. Um, so I guess just to kind of piggyback off what Karen said about how we connected, I can share a little bit about that. So um, I started looking on uh, some Facebook support groups. I started searching some widow support groups and I stumbled across a virtual group that Karen had just created. Um, and it, you know, it had like video calls and things like that, that anybody could join in really around the world. Um, I know for a fact, my first call jumping on, I probably made it a disaster for myself because how could I share my raw emotions with people that I didn't know? Right. Um, but, uh, I was probably just fast forward a little bit more. I'd say August of 2020, uh, it was my husband's, uh, first heavenly birthday and I was really having a hard time, uh, with my grief. 
So that's when I got more involved in the group. Um, and then that's when Karen and I really connected. Uh, I, I'd say probably from the first time we talked like one-on-one, -on -one, we realized we had the same passion uh, for really helping widows and widowers, uh, you know, find a way of their new normal and move forward through their grief. Um, you know, and we, we laugh now. It's like we would have, it's probably not funny to many, but we would have never met given our, you know, different ages, our different backgrounds. I mean, heck, different parts of the United States uh, if it wasn't for our journey through widowhood. So that's kind of how we met and we decided we wanted to continue this by starting the nonprofit. That's amazing. Destiny, what was it, what was it like to join that first call? So I think, I think that's, you know, great. So the first call was extremely um, overwhelming for me. I made it overwhelming for myself. I felt like, I guess, a deer in headlights, right? Like not knowing what to expect. Um, and although I felt anxious and a little overwhelmed, it was so nice to hear other people just having conversations about how they felt or really just day-to-day -day stuff that was going on and having normal conversations without almost feeling like someone was feeling like pity for you. Like we all got it. We all understood. Um, yeah. So, Yeah. Karen, how are the calls how, for people who might be considering just joining? How are the calls set up? What what could somebody expect if they were to join the next one? Well, we're doing a lot of work right now because the actual nonprofit is fairly new and not new. It started under another um, ministry called Abide. And uh, Destiny and I have since gone off on our own and have our own nonprofit. And so we're working on a lot of different things. But one of the things that we do, and I, I'm actually taking a break through, through the summer because ever since the um, pandemic shut the world down, I've done Zoom calls from anywhere from five days a week to then I did it once a week for the last probably, you know, nine, nine or 10 months. But there's always been a way for um, these people who, who join our Facebook group who also you know, we, our Facebook is, group is not our hub, our uh, website is, but it's within that Facebook group. We, uh, we post events and one of the events is getting on Zoom and, and getting to meet each other. And it's really a conversation with a bunch of widows who, or widowers who um, we have no, there's no um, theme to our conversation. It's just you know, authentic, real conversations. We laugh together, we cry together. And and we always say that, you know, it's not just a safe place to cry. It is a safe place to laugh. And laughing is something that people who are who don't understand believe that when somebody laughs, that they're okay. That's the feeling that we get anyways. Um, so, so it's a safe place to laugh. It's a safe place to cry. It's a safe place to say your weird stories and whatnot, but yeah, so you join our Facebook group. We have all kinds of events that go on. We, we have speaker events. We had one last night where a widower who had a really difficult struggle went through a lot of different drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff before he realized that he needed to make a mindset change. So we have things like that. We have speaker events. Uh, once a month that we try to do, we used to do interviews with widows just so that they can tell you, tell their story because being a widow is there's so many different types of loss, even under being widowed. So you've got, you know, short-term illness, long-term illness, um, accidents, suicide, murder. And we have widows that came from all those types of 
loss and each loss is different. And even within those losses, they're each different because you have marriages that were good, marriages that weren't so good, you know, all with children, without children. So, and that's something that we wanted that is one of the things that we're trying to do now is form smaller groups. Our group is getting quite large. And like a church that I belong to, that you probably know, we call some something small group. Destiny and I want to create smaller space where people connect more intimately so that they have a better support and feel comfortable with, you know, their group of people. So we're trying to we're going to be launching that probably September 1st, um, trying to put small groups together all over the world, wherever you're at, you can lead that group and you don't need to be anything but a widow. I could go on and on and just go answer every question you didn't even ask me just now. So. <laughs> no, I, 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 I love your passion and your desire to create spaces where people who have Again, every every single story is different, but there are some there are some unifying themes that tie mm-hmm. certain stories together. And mm-hmm. to lose to you're right, losing somebody to long term illness is devastating, and losing somebody to suddenly like the both of you have is devastating in a, in a di- in a different way. Mm-hmm. So to anybody who's listening who may have experienced just a, an immediate and tragic and unexpected loss. Destiny, what do you what do you say to the husband or wife who's seventy two hours in where they just they just cannot, they cannot find their way above water because just this, the shock and trauma of it all is making it hard to breathe. What, what, what do you say to, to the version of you who, who was there then knowing what you know now? No, it's, it's hard to think back who I was just 72 hours after my husband passed. I don't know if I remember that the fog, you know, a lot of us refer to it as brain fog or widow fog. That's a real thing. Um, but I think the the biggest thing is to breathe. Remember to breathe through this. Um, and when people want to help, let them. I mean, it's something as simple as going to get a gallon of milk for you and leaving it on your doorstep if you, you know, don't want to interact with people or having somebody make a phone call for you. You know, in the moment, you almost feel like, you know, you're a team, right? You and your husband, if depending on how your marriage was, you do everything together. And it's hard to get out of that mindset so early on. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just letting people help um, and remembering that people that are helping are also grieving too, right? And that's their way of trying to help because they know they can't fix the situation. Destiny, what do you think are people's, especially when they're in that in that fog that's wildly disorienting? What's the greatest barrier to asking for help? I think feeling like you're a bother, like you're bothering somebody okay. by asking or feeling like oh, they're going to think I'm weak because I'm asking for that gallon of milk or something like that. Um, it can be intimidating asking for help. I firsthand experience that sometimes still. Yeah. In our neighborhood last week, somebody posted on Facebook. It He wasn't a widower, but he was going through a divorce. He had eight kids that he was responsible for, and a couple of them had special needs. And he just threw out a Facebook post in the neighborhood saying, hey, the one thing that I can't get to is my yard. I know it's turning into an eyesore if anybody can help, can they help? And, and again, and he said, don't even, don't even knock on the door. Like you don't, you don't have to say hi. You don't have to bother me or you don't have to inconvenience yourself. And, and I was just so proud of him for doing what he did because uh, the neighbors descended in mass with hand tools and power tools. And, and I, I ended up thinking to myself later, it's like, sometimes I'm afraid to ask for help because I, I asked myself, well, what happens if I look stupid? And maybe the flip side of that coin is like, what happens if I get the help that I desperately need? <laughs> like sometimes I, I, I underestimate people as being critical or judgy or my own insecurities yeah. bubble the surface rather than, well, what happens if the best of humanity shows up in my moment of need? What, what could happen? What could happen then? 
So true. I mean, I'll add something to that and that, you know, when you're, I realized over time that you're really giving them a gift of letting them help you. People are wanting to help you and they don't know what to do. And we don't know what to say because we're in a fog. One of the things that I and Destiny um, really are passionate about too is educating the non-widowed community. Like, what do I do for this person? You know, you tend to keep backing off after, you know, month after month because you see the person's doing okay. The reality is you just do. Like this guy said, you know, just come over and do it. You know, there's nothing better. I'll tell you what, one of the greatest things that happened to me, and I'll tell you what, <laughs> it happened for years, is that my next door neighbor, I had a Newfoundland dog that lived next to me. I had three dogs of my own and two that lived on the next door. We didn't have fences either. And this woman and a friend of mine who lived next to me, I was the middle backyard and all those dogs came and pooped in my yard. And she, for the next two years, came and cleaned up the poop in my yard. And it was like, it was the greatest thing ever. I don't- It's amazing. I don't want you to have to do it for two years, but you know, she did. And so, I never asked her. So when people say it's the little things, it, it really is. It really is. And if um, I'm going to throw one more story out there, um, a girl named Ann Taylor that uh, I didn't know very well that lived in my neighborhood. Um, if people ask me, what was the one thing that stands out? Um, it is the little things and the things that she did for me. I could never pay back, but it reminds me that the little things matter. But in my mailbox, at my kids' birthdays, at the you know anniversary of Steve's loss, at Christmas, whatever it was, there was something in my mailbox. It was a note. It was three cookies for the three of us. It was, it doesn't matter what it was. I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody remembered, and they know that yeah. I'm still hurting, and and it's those things. And I always said I'm going to do that for somebody else. That's not for me. I can't remember that stuff. I can't put it on. You know, if I put it in my calendar and I have a reminder, I'll put push the. Uh, you know, wait, a, whatever that button is that you can wait a while. But anyways, everyone's got something different to give. And it doesn't matter how big or small it is. It's just good to know that people are out there by your side. Something else that I think is really big is like being able to, a gift that is really, I know for me personally, it's just a listening ear. Death is uncomfortable, right? Society makes death uncomfortable. I was naive to being widowed before I was widowed and being able to just like talk about my husband freely and not feel judged. Even if the person was cringing inside, not knowing what to say in response was nice to just be able to have somebody listen to, to what I had to say and keep my husband's legacy and memory alive for myself and our daughter. Yeah. Destiny to that point. So I remember reading Cheryl Sandberg. She was the departing COO of Facebook. She said that after she lost her husband, suddenly she heard about a greeting card company. And one of the, one of the cards said, I'm sorry, I didn't call. I didn't know what to say. And basically it was just, just a way to be able to say, I care about you. I see you. I want to be in the conversation. I'm not sure how help me. What are ways that you saw some people like stumble forward, but you were able to give them grace because you just, you just knew you trusted the intent of their heart. I think, like I said, just a, you know, a simple phone call, like, Hey, how's it going? I mean, sometimes it was awkward. They'd say, you know, Hey, how you doing? You know, I know the real answer, but I just, I don't know what to say. And I just made the conversation awkward by saying that. 
Um, right. You know, and we'd laugh it off and I'd be able to just, you know, share my true emotions. I mean, uh, my sister was really good at being able to just listen, um, you know, and hear what I had to say, even if it was late at night and I was having a tough time. Um, you know, I'm not one that likes to sh share a lot about how I'm truly feeling sometimes, which is probably a downfall. But I know I had my few, like my small circle, Karen, lucky enough to be one of them late night when I was having a tough time just to listen. Um to how I was feeling and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. Here's a question for the both of you. Like, how did your faith evolve or transform in, in the wake of your loss? Oh, that's, that's a big one for me because my husband, Steve was just in transition. Um, Dave Wilson, somebody that we both know, um, took him by the hair probably and said, Hey, you need to, take a look at this book um and i can't remember what the title of the book was but anyways he, he grew up non-religious and it was within a year of him passing it was probably less than that he started reading the bible in bed every night and i'm like what the heck i'm like what do you read i grew up catholic with eight kids in my family and we really never read the bible and he was reading this bible and i'm like and he was so into it. And I'm like, read that to me. What are you reading that's making you change? And there was a shift happening in him. And, and the crazy thing was um, that that's where it all started with my family um, going to a new church we had been going to for a couple of years, Kensington. Steve had said something to Kevin during that time when he was started to read the Bible, he said, Kevin, I learned something today. And this book, this book is real. I want you to know that this is true mm -hmm. stuff. This is not a myth. And I didn't know that that conversation happened until one day I was at church listening to Cody Wilson um, on stage on Father's Day, telling Kevin's story about a legacy that my husband left behind. And he told that story about how, how Steve said to Kevin that, that this is a real thing. This is, you know, don't ever forget that. And not knowing that, you know, within months he was going to be gone and that Kevin had that legacy to take with him and to remember that the man that he, he respected and loved more than anyone in the world told him that, and he carries that on today. And it's amazing. I mean, I mean, my daughter was the same, you know, she watched things happen in our lives after Steve passed away and realizing that, you know, there are good things that come of it too. And it's crazy. Not everyone gets that experience right away. I was like, holy moly, no wonder, you know, this is all happening. You know, I know where he's at now. And Dave Wilson was the first person I called when I got to the hospital. And I knew he had passed. I'm like, Dave, I know where Steve's at because of you, you know, so it was, uh, you know, crazy, but, you know, I hang on to that every day. Wow. Thank you. What about you, Destiny? So for me, I guess mine is a little bit different. Um, if I'm being completely honest, I was uh, pretty upset and angry that how could, um, you know, God do this to our family when we had so much, so many plans and things like that, um, you know, that I had thought, you know, we talked about so many different things, you know, extending our family, buying a new house, things like that. Um, and, you know, it took me a while to kind of get, you know, it, not this isn't all a bad situation right like look where I am today look at the people I have around me and things like that um and I actually thought back to 
uh, it was actually the Sunday before my husband's passing and, you know, he worked every Sunday. So it was hard for him to get to church that Sunday he had off and he went um, and he said, and, you know, I just want to, you, you and Eliana kick back. I'm going to go to church by myself, which we have a church right next door. He went and he was there for a while. Um, and at his, after his services, the pastor told me that, you know, I think he just wanted to have that moment with God. If something were to happen to him during the procedure. Um, and when I remember, you know, I think back to that, that's what has made me, you know, move forward from being angry. Um, mm. I've learned a lot through this experience. Um, and I hold my faith close now because of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful for both of your candor. One of my, I don't know what I would call it favorite. One powerful story for me about loss in scripture is John chapter 11, when Mary and Martha lose their brother Lazarus, and both of them have the same question for Jesus right out of the gate. Well, it's not really a question. It's, it's an accusation. They're like, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And the implication from both of them was like, you could have stopped this and you didn't what gives. And I love that Jesus cares enough about both Mary and Martha to meet them exactly where they are. He responds to both of them differently. He responds to Martha with a question. They have a conversation, but with Mary, she weeps and all he does is he just weeps with her. And I just, I'm so grateful for your stories because it's a reminder to all of us who experience loss that, that while we don't understand the whys, we do have opportunity to experience the, the presence of God and the goodness of God, whether it comes through a neighbor who's cleaning up our yard or whether it just comes from that quiet sense of peace or a pastor whose words remind us that um, the one who's recently departed had their own spiritual journey and that that was comforting to them. And by extension, that can be comforting to us. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing, for the stories that you're sharing for your willingness to remind us that that grief doesn't resolve after two years or 24 months or three years, that it's part of an ongoing journey. And so before we sign off, I'd love for you to tell our listeners more about if they've recently lost a spouse, what next steps they can take, or if they're a friend of somebody who has what they can learn or give. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Dustin. I think for, for me, what, what I'd say is, you know, remember that everyone's grief is different and it's hard to really put a timeline on people's grief. Uh, like Karen said earlier, you know, people had good marriages, bad marriages, whether the loss was sudden or not, everyone handles their grief differently. And another thing that I, you know, want to add to is sometimes we want to like, we get sick of being sad all the time. Right. And we want to just like try to hit the button and fast forward through a place when we're happy again. And that's not possible. You know, you really got to give grief the space and respect that it needs to be able to move forward and find new ways to be happy through grief. You know, you're never going to go get over a loss completely, but you can go alongside it. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah. And, and know that you're not alone. There are so many others out there. If you feel lonely, everybody feels lonely going through whatever it is that they're going through, but know that no matter what situation you're in, there is somebody out there who feels the same way that you do. And I'm telling you, Facebook has everything. They've got groups for everything. And whether it's Facebook or just Googling it, there's there are people out there. Grief sucks, if I can say that word. Know that it does. And it's okay. Feel it. It's okay to feel it. It's okay to cry. Take it one day at a time. One step at a time. It starts out one second at a time. It moves to one, five minutes at a time, one day. And eventually you're going to be, wow, a month went by and, you know, I haven't cried, but it's okay. People ex- have expectations of you that are 
they don't know any better th than to have the, those expectations. Um, so know that you're going to be okay. It eventually takes a mindset change to really, you know, be fully back to where you were. Um, but know that you're not alone and there are people out there that can help you. That's so good. One of our therapists here says, he goes, when faith, when confronted with grief, we have one of two options. He's like, we can fight it or we can surrender to it. And he goes, the sooner you surrender to it, um, the more you can start the wrestling and the healing process. But if you just, if you just keep fighting it, um, you're going to, you're going to prolong a different, a different set of agony. Um, because that's just not, that's not how it works. You don't, you don't get to master grief. You, you walk alongside grief and you, you find like a way that kind of meanders through things, but you don't, you don't defeat it. You don't, you don't, you don't win grief, right? It, you, right. You, you journey with it and you journey through it. Right. Exactly. So for people want to find out more about widows in motion, where do they go well, to learn more? So um, our website is uh, www.widowsinmotion.org. Um, we have all of our information on there. And then we also have, uh, I'd also like to share, since we mentioned it, the Facebook group. It's a widow, widower virtual meetup group. Uh, if you just search that, you'll be able to find it and pull it up. Um, there's a couple questions you'll have to um, answer as a widow or widower, and then you'll be let in just for the safety and security of our current um, members. Mm -hmm. Great. And then if you know somebody, a friend or somebody that you think could benefit um, from what we have to offer, um, we have, we're putting together packets now of uh, reach out packets that we can uh, get, reach out to that person and make sure that uh, they know what it is that we have to offer and know that they're not alone. And also um, educate that person who's referring them to us on what they can do to help them out. If you wanna reach out to us personally, um, info at, at whatisinmotion.org is our website that will go to both of us. Um, if you wanna to talk to you know, Dustin or myself, we will be glad to you know, reach out to you personally. We do have a link on our website too um, that a, anybody can select and refer a widow or widower to us. Um, you know, and then one of us would be reaching out to them directly. Uh, to figure out how we can connect and support them to other people um, within our community. Great. Yeah, and we have a 5K coming up. <laughs> and where will that, where is that located? Yeah, it's a virtual 5K that we're putting together right now. We don't have it out there at all, but but watch for it. You know, it's a way of uh, remembering that person that you've lost or a widow or widower that you know. It's a fundraiser for us. And it is something that can be done within a week's time. We got teams happening. You can watch our website for that and you'll see what that's all about. Great. Well, thanks again for your time. Thanks for the amazing work that you're doing. Thanks so giving so freely of yourself and even your own pain in the attempt to serve others. It's it's just amazing to see how just through your stories, God is reminding other people that they're seen, that they're known, that they're loved, uh, and that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks so much for having, thanks us. For having us. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.